Okay, guys, welcome to another edition of the Incredible Hulk podcast. And we are talking about the season four story called King of the Beach, which starred Bill Bixby as David Banner and Lou Ferrigno in two roles in this one. One as the Hulk and one as Carl Molino. Um, uh, so this is the first time he's ever done a sort of speaking part in the Hulk. And also starred Leslie Ackerman as Mandy. And, and an, a little actress at the time, um, played a little girl at the Sandcastle scene, Angela Lee, she was called then, but now she's Angela Lee, Lee Sloan. And I've got a little interview with that lady at the end of this cast, so please stick around for that. Right. It was directed by Barry Crane, and it was written by Karen Harris, one of the team usually uh, writing, co-writing with Jill Sherman, done many, many Hulk stories. I also interviewed um, the writer of this episode, Karen Harris, um, so please stick around for that as well. That will follow one from Angela's interview. So that um, stick around, guys, till the end of this podcast. So I'm going to welcome my friend here who's joining me for this one. Graham, Graham how are you there? Hey, we're doing Frank. Good to be back, mate. And what a beefcake of an episode we have for you tonight, folks. <laughs> it's, it's full of beefcakes in this one, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you've got a lot of muscle, muscle in this one, yeah. So... Um, it's, it starts uh, with like showing like uh, all these you know all these all these sort of like bodybuilding guys you know working out on the on the beach, mm -hmm. and all that was shot around uh, uh, Venice Beach and Santa Monica Pier there, um, which you'll see a whole cut scene later on in that bit. Yep. Um, so it was all around that area in California, and um, we see this young woman who's uh, character Mandy. On a roller bike, yeah. Yeah, on a yeah on a roller skate, yeah. Being hit by a car. Oh, so being, we thought. Yes, yeah. also we thought indeed. It's a bit of a scam going on. David uh, goes Hell to Master Array, yeah. who does, and gets himself obviously unintentionally involved in the storyline by being a witness, being a witness to the to, to the scene, even though he didn't, and a witness, yeah. He didn't see the he didn't see the hit. He just heard the, the commotion and ran over. Yes, yeah. but it's these two little like like oiks there as well. You know these two guys mm -hmm. who come into it later on as well and say, "Come on, come on, man! You know, can we just do this? You know, without the courts getting involved or whatever? Can you know pay off thing or whatever?" And um, he thinks she may have sprained her ankle. He's not certain. And she get she's limping a wee bit. But anyway, she seems all right. No head injuries, so they don't take it any further. And um, David walks off anyway, and gets out. He gets one of the uh, the uh, what do you call it, uh, McGee's newspapers, and is reading through that. <laughs> yes, <laughs> one for the trash. <laughs> Threw it in the bin like five seconds later. Yeah, you know, like, oh. yeah, yeah. yeah. So why am I reading this crap? Yeah, and um, and spots the girl uh, walking down this alleyway or limping rather at that point. Yeah. And he goes to follow her because he's quite concerned. So when he turns a corner, um, she's behind, you know, ducking behind. Now for what a green back there. Yeah. And counting all, the, all this money she's got. And she's very chuffed. And then she goes to run out, you know, smiling. He spots her. Mm. Uh, oh, dear. I've been caught in the act. Something is rotten in Denmark. It was. It was rotten in that alleyway. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, oh, you've been caught in the act, mate. Yeah, you know, how are you going to get out of this one? Anyway, she tries to talk him round a wee bit, explain, and uh, 
Um, anyway, that's kind of that. And we get our first first look at um, Lou as Carl Marino, mm. flipping burgers in the little cafe. Yeah. Burger King need not apply. Um, right, yeah. Yeah, an uh, interesting take here. David's found himself a, a, a gig uh, helping out in this cafe. And uh, lo and behold, he's, uh, he's working alongside Lou in this one. It's, it's Bill Bixby, so yeah, why not? Yeah, it's quite nice to see both of them together, like, you know, with Lou without the makeup and stuff. Mm. Just see the two of them act, acting off one. That's quite interesting. It turns out that Lou, uh, Lou's character, Carl, his dream is to get, to get uh, his own restaurant. You know, and he's saving like crazy and he's doing silly shifts and all that, trying to get, you know, to get this little place for himself to make his mum and dad proud, I think. And going by that phone call, his mother and father are a bit overbearing. Yeah, seems so, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But he doesn't want anything from them, really. I think he's just trying to do it on his own. Yep. And and trying to make them proud of him, I think, you know. Um, But, uh, you know, parents are can be very strong like that, strong-willed. Indeed. With their kids. Um, he needs $1,000 in order to get this business going, like he has to put a deposit down, all that sort of thing. Yep. And, you know, he's struggling. And... Um, uh, he's got a pretty hefty nest egg. He's $1,000 short. Uh, and essentially, this is where Mandy clocks him in the restaurant. Yes. He can then be a flyers for the King of the Beat competition. That's, that's right, yeah. The bodybuilding competition for the and, area. And she sort of spots him there and she's looking him up and down and thinking... Oh, and you, can, you can actually see the dollar signs in her eyes to begin with. And you're like, Yeah. Uh, you go, oh, I could make a few bucks out of him, yeah. Mm. Um, I wish that's how it initially started. But, that's yeah. how it sort of starts, yeah, with the seed of the idea, yeah. So she starts chatting with him, and David doesn't really want to know after the incident that he had with her. You know, he's keeping he's keeping away from her a wee bit. I don't want any trouble. He says, you know. Um, but she says, you know, the prize with the prize money is three thousand dollars. There you go for it, which is more than what he he was looking for. And he he thinks about it a wee bit, but he's not too he's not too certain at this point. The the gamble is, of course, you have to fork up front a thousand dollars. Yeah, that's to right. To get everything done. The entry fee, the clothing, the promotion. Yeah. So essentially, it's all honest, it has to be gambled and on the off chance that he wins this thing. Yeah, it's a big it's a big gamble. And he says, you know, what if I lose and all that, you know, and things mm. like that, you know. Um, yeah. And uh, uh, so at the gym, he's working out, Lou. Mm-hmm. And there's this other guy, I think he's been the winner previously or something, or... Whatever, you know that guy? Referred to as the king. No, yeah, he is the king of the beach. <laughs> and uh, and I, I think, you know, the couple of bozos that are with him, you know, eyeing Lou up, you know, and going, I think he could be a threat. Mm. He's a threat to our chances of winning this. They're not very happy about him at all. Yep. You know? And, uh, so I, th- I think they're going to try and find a way of, like, you know, get him out, getting him out of the race, as it were. Eliminate the competition. Yeah. yeah. The whole cow. Essentially, we have the issue where um, Mandy uh, eventually convinces those characters in them again, Carl, Carl to basically yeah. uh, take part in the competition. He goes back to the cafe with to, to David, 
and his, his second thoughts when he has a, a, a wee conversation with David. I kind of put my nest egg on nine, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so David shows up at the pier, underneath the pier, on the beach, to try and convince him. He's feeling a wee bit concerned here. Can you sign him up tomorrow, come back with the money? And yeah. the guys that show up are essentially the guys that Mandy originally scammed at the beginning of the episode with the, the hit and run. That's right. Uh, they're not too happy with the fact that she's, she's hustled them on money. So, yeah. So they want, they, want, they, want their, they want their cut. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, of course, that doesn't go well. And she's, she, she gets a knife out on them, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's handy with the blade, that girl. Mm. She's not messing around, man. Um, but, of course, you know, that they end up letting her go. But, of course, you know, now they've got David there. Mm-hmm. Oh, let's rough him up instead, you know? Let's, let's go for ducking for apples in the sea, you know? Yeah. So they start plunging his head under the, under the water there, at the pier there, under the pier there. Which is a real pier, that's Santa Monica Pier. Yep. So he's, he's being dumped under there, and you're just waiting for the eyes, aren't you? You know, mm. <laughs> the eyes to appear. How many times are we going to get till that happens, though? I think it's about four. Four or five, then they left them to go look for the money under the pier. That's right. They're, they're looking around on the top of these like oil drums or something <clears> while, <throat> while he's transforming. Yeah. Mm. And uh, it gives them a bit of good, you know, it gives them a bit so, of So yeah. essentially, up, up, up pops Owen Green, destroys the underneath wedge to the pier and throws them about a little bit. Yeah, throws one up on the rafters and throws the other one in the ocean. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Why so, not? Sorts those two, two, two fellas out. Yeah, I don't think you see them again after that. I think that's their lot, really. No, no, they're out of here, man. Still, that that guy's still swimming. Um, yeah, he said, no, well, I'm, I'm not going back there when he's around, yeah. I keep going. I keep going south or north. Yeah. Mm. So the Hulk um, kind of, you know, he goes, he goes, uh, he ambles off down the beach. And he's yeah. with your interviewee. Yes. Yes. And nicely brings us on to uh, the little scene with Angela Lee, um, who's playing sandcastles there. Mm. Apparently, it took a lot of takes to do that as well. She'll tell you that later on. Mm. Um, and the Hulk comes along, and of course, he wants to play. You know, obviously, he's curious. You know. What's she doing? And really, he's like the innocent giant, isn't he? It's the Frank. It goes back to that kind of Frankenstein thing again, you know, with the girl, yep. mm-hmm. which we've had a few times in the series, you know. Um, yeah, although, generally, the kids warm to him quite well, mostly. But this girl, not having any of it. <laughs> oh like, no! Yeah. <laughs> Go away! You've mothered my sandcastle. Yeah, <laughs> she's giving them a right ticking off, <laughs> and. Um, she actually says a, a, quite a good line. She says, hey, hey, is that come, some kind of weird suntan lotion you got on there? <laughs> <laughs> the innocence of a kid. Yeah, yeah, great. So, of course, he's trying to, he's doing, he's playing around with the sand guy. He's just making a mess of it. And she <clears throat> more or less tells him to bugger off. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So he does. So it's, it's just a nice little scene. Thanks a lot. Yeah. You know, off he goes again. You always get those lovely little moments when he's coming down from the Hulk out, you know. Um, mm. Then we cut back to um, Carl now. He's sort of going along with the idea now, isn't he? And he's sort of yep. working out, getting ready for the competition. Uh, no, essentially, I believe that Mandy came back in yeah. with a full mon- amount of money. Oh, that's and right. They yeah. tried to con- and she tried to convince David that, that she's a legit, she's on the level. He's not, he's not can, quite can, buying it, is he? <laughs> yeah, can, can you hang around and help me train him for a week? Yeah, yeah. So that, that's what begins that. That's right, yeah. Montage of uh, workouts for, for, for Carl. You'd be get a kind of a rocky kind of montage. Yeah. You know, do, 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 do. The old funky music. 
of course, these guys are not happy about it at all, are they? No. Nope. You know, the guys sure. with the So they call their manager. Yeah, so he's a right sleaze ball, yeah. And who's, the, who's the captain's name again? His name escapes me. Uh, think of it, man. Offhand. Uh, okay, the manager guy. Mr. Um, something. Mr. Something. Mr. Yeah. Mr. Yeah. Yeah, so during Carl's week of training for this competition, he shows up during the training session and uh, drops the revelation that, oh, hey, by the way, that, that, that money for your entry fee, that was me scamming Mandy. So yes. Mandy, beginning to be that, uh, starting off the episode as the hustler, ends up getting hustled tenfold midway through the episode. Exactly, yeah. Unbeknownst to her. Unbeknownst yeah. yeah. Because she said originally when she had the, when she got the money up front, you know, the, the whole thing, the entry fee, the everything, mm. she just said to David, oh, I got that. Sold got something, that, yeah. Something, yeah, whatever, you know, like pawning something off or whatever it might be. <clears throat> uh, 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 it, and and uh, it seems reasonably okay. But now we're mm. getting a different kind of take on it, spin on it. And it's even worse than they thought. Yep. Because you know, now it's in the hands of this, you know, this crook. No, essentially, he owns the contract to Carol. Uh, Carol uh, is kind of pissed about this revelation. Yes. You know, and uh, contemplating leaving the competition and going home. Yeah, he seriously did, yeah. Uh, um, you know, after telling Mandy to basically bugger off at one point, he'll get another meal ticket, see you later. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so anyway, um, they they... Mandy arrives to see Carl, mm-hmm. and uh, at this point he, he he does he does change his mind. He has a pe- he has a pep talk with David, doesn't he? And he does mm-hmm. change his mind about it, doesn't he? He basically comes to the conclusion: well, he might own me as a bodybuilder, but once I win that, there's your money. I'm out of here. So yeah, that's his one shot, and basically he's going to try and make it. He doesn't want to. Mm-hmm. He just wants to try this this crack at it. If he gets the money, he wants to continue with that business he's dreamt of. Yep. Yeah. So he's not. Really concerned about going. We should, we should mention that during this, uh, he actually gets fired for his restaurant job. He does. Well, it, it, it appears to be the case. Yeah, it does, yeah. doesn't it? And David puts him up as a roommate and has whatever the hell he was staying this time and before. So he's... Some little apartment somewhere. Yeah, somewhat yeah. up. Yeah, he, he's only there for another week or two so he can take up. Yeah, he's going to have to move on, obviously, because he's had the whole thing happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's not going to stick around town very long anyway. Yeah. He tries to encourage... Uh, One more week tops, yeah. Come, come and slow, you know. Yeah, so he tries to encourage Carl to, like, um, you know... Take up the apartment and get a job in the local area. Yeah, yeah and that's it, and, and get on with his life. But he's, he's going to have to off ski, mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, uh, uh, so the, the, the later on, it, um, the competition's kind of warming up, you know. They're all yep. kind of, like, working out, getting ready for it. Mm-hmm. Carl's there doing his... his uh, his workout. His plexes and flexes. Yes. Yeah, he's doing the old, <laughs> all that stuff, yeah. Yes. And um, and Mandy turns up at that point as well, but he says, don't bother, you know, best not to bother him. I know he's working out, mm-hmm. he's concentrating. But she hangs around there anyway. Yeah. eye on Carl. And David is told, this is where, this is where the, the, the crooks have been, like, working something out. Yeah, they're trying to. I asked that chef up to stop him. Yeah, they want to get rid of. They want to get. They don't want to, you know, mess him up or hurt him. But they want to get Carl out of the, the running a bit so that he misses his solo spot where he's doing the flexing on the podium. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then he's got less chance of actually, you know, competing. Um, if he misses that spot, so mm-hmm. they're trying to trying to curtail that to ha- happening. 
But it doesn't go quite according to plan. No, they, they, they set up a diversion in the back room. Uh, yeah, they have a, a phony phone call. That's right, yeah. And David ends up taking the brunt of it. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, so tell, the, tell, tell the, the way they're getting wired up on the, on, the, on those weights with the... Ah, with, that would have been graphic looking around about the neck, wouldn't it? Yeah, what the hell? You know, man. That was quite severe. Mm. So the weights drop, his neck's going to, you know, get yanked or whatever. Yeah. Um, so, he, so essentially he gets used as bait when they, when they go into right. the room. And then when Carl doesn't show up, he gets hooked up to the weights. Uh, he, Mandy tells him to go on stage. Then Mandy realises something's up. She goes to the exact same room and she gets roughed up. So yeah, That's right. Go figure. Yeah. Then they got her, yeah, and they've sort of thrown her around and that and David's obviously getting stressed and that. Yep. Until the old um, green eyes come I think out, she actually got punched at one point, and then yeah, that's quite strong stuff. That, you know, I'll tell you back then, it was, you know, yeah. so different to what it is now. That's Hulk out number two. Yeah. You can't do that now, man. It's graphic. We get uh, um, well, there's an interesting bit here, though, Graham. You know, with the the, the uh, photography in it, mm. you get these intercuts with Carl like flexing on the podium, and you've got the Hulk bursting out of his shirt at the same sort of time. Yeah, it's, it's like one of the ones, oh, it's the same guy, but how can it be the two places at once? Yeah. yeah, but I mean, some of the images are the same, like when he's like flexing his arm, then you see the Hulk's shirt yeah. and arm rip, mm-hmm. then the chest bit, and mm. the buttons are popping on the chest. It was kind of cut the same sort, the same moves were happening, you know. Yeah. I mean, that was quite an interesting thing they did. Um, so so that, anyway, Lou, I mean, Lou as Carl does get to have his, you know, his moment on stage, mm-hmm. and the crowd really love him. The uh, the ruffians go get their comeuppance in the back room. Yeah, he uh, knocks one, he knocks one flying with him. Knocks one out, and the other one gets the old iron tied with him. Um, yeah, the, the gag that you see a lot in these type of shows. That's right. Take it, take it. And the whole dump that picks up Mandy, and and lo and behold, this is where we see both of them together in the same scene. Two, yeah, two yeah, double the woofer for your pleasure. Yeah, and um, how much they make. Hulk Lou looks so much taller than Carl. <laughs> I, I assume there was some type of standing on a, a small yeah. box trick there or something or a stair. The camera, you know, probably got a box or a crate or something. Oh, definitely, yeah. You know, yeah. Um, we don't quite see the full thing. Yeah. Yeah. But um, he, hands, he hands Mandy over to Carl. Yep. <coughs> and, and then I thought this was hysterical. The audience... Thought it was a, a participant in the competition, <laughs> yeah. you know. Oh, for us, guys! Do you know the eyes? His skin's green. It's the lighting. Pose for us, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so it's, so also, it's not. It, it's not until he destroys the backdrop that he realizes. Oh, hang on! I don't think he's a competitor. <laughs> yeah. The Hulk doesn't like the uh, limelight very much, though. Mm. You know. Yeah. All the flashing photography gets on his nerves. Mm-hmm. So he ends up wrecking the set, pulling down the, the, the big backdrop, you know, curtain thing. Yep. And running a mail. And smashing through the doors out the back, yeah, and off he goes, yeah. So all hell yeah. breaks loose there a bit, but then what, the audience just think it's part of the show, you know. Part of the show. Yeah. So then we fade to black, and David's back with Carl and Mandy, and we learn that Carl's won the competition. Yeah. And now he's, and, and interestingly, he stays with Mandy. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're going to make a crack at it together and be like partners on the business, mm-hmm. the restaurant. Yep. Which is really nice, you know, that they stuck with it. They got over the differences. 
Um, and it's doing the job, you know, that's the thing he dreamed of doing all along. So he made, you know, he made it good. There you go. Yeah. Uh, Mor um, the moral of the story, kids, if you exercise, you can achieve anything. <laughs> <laughs> you go to the gym, don't you, Graham? Yeah. Uh, not much as Luther Rignall, but yeah. <laughs> Oh, he, he's, he's in there every. He's in the there best every exercise time. I get is elbow bending. Yeah, I'm not pop by me. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Could the could the old right arm flex? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> comes in handy. Yeah. So anyway, that it, all ends all ends well, doesn't it? Really. Mm. Right. And we get the usual stick at the end. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. And, and David nice. off hitchhiking again to the, the, the theme of The Lonely Man. Yes, indeed. That classic that will stay, you know, with us forever, that's that tune, yeah. Mm. Um, but it's a nice little thing that Lou says to him at the end. You know, they have a big, they embrace in that. Mm -hmm. And he says, um, he says, well, remember, family? Yeah. we're your family. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was nice. Because that's really true, you know, that was like Lou, Lou and Bill talking, really. Mm. So, because Lou said in many interviews that Bill was like a mentor for him, you know? There you go. And they worked together. He was like the slightly older um, brother, if you like, I think, mm. you know? And was very, very encouraging of him. And that. I thought that was really nice, you know? So it was just really nice to see them together because that's a really, that was a one-off, you know? That's yeah. never happened before or since. So in, in, in just to sort of um, go back to it, you know, in terms of like, I'm curious to know if, uh, um, Graham, what you thought of Lou's acting in this as Carl? You know what? Despite his limitations, and we all know what they are, um, he was fine. Some, some people might poke logic and hold on it and logic and just say, well, he was just technically playing himself. I put aside for the fact that his name was Carl and he was placed in a restaurant setting. But, no, he was really good in this. And the interaction with Bill was, was top-notch. I agree. Yeah. Um, this probably, I, mean, I, I, I think he did, I mean, he did some, he did some acting in between that, uh, you know, playing other roles. I mean, like he did Hercules and things like that. But I believe that his dialogue was dubbed with another actor's voice for those films. It wasn't him. Of, of the films? Okay. Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't see why. I mean, he was perfectly eligible in this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But for some reason, that you know, the filmmakers, you know, had a different decision on that. And, Maybe uh, just a, so this may have been one of the first parts where he actually spoke as himself. You know, well, I don't know what Bill Bixby said in the intro. Yeah, that must. Yeah, that, he did. Yeah, that must have been his first act, proper acting uh, thing. His first speaking role. First something. speaking yeah. role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But I think he did. Yeah, I think he's done a great job. But but oh. they addressed it right at the beginning. You know, you had to learn how to speak without hearing. Um, yes, that was the, you know, David talking to um, to Carl. That was Bill talking to him. So that that's what happened. So you're like, you know, no, it's perfectly likable. No big deal. Yeah, and it was kind of it was kind of echoed a lot of his own life in that. Mm. It was not quite autobiographical, but a lot of those things that happened with things he was up against in his own life, you know. Mm. Um, no, no, deaf people need to use sign language, folks. It can be done. Yeah. And he proved it, yeah. You know, that you can get, you can do well for yourself with a, with a, with a handicap or, or something that's holding you back in your life, you know. 
sometimes you can you can do it you know you just need a lot of grit and determination to follow it through and he made a success of it you know um and it and still is he's doing all right out of it you know um, comic cons are paying his pension that's right anyway guys that is that was the king of the beach uh episode of the incredible hulk indeed and i've enjoyed having uh, you with me graham on this one thanks for the pleasure mate never i can you know me <laughs> <laughs> but, but please stick around guys we've got a good, um, an interview i did um a few few days back with um with the actress angela sloan angela mm. sloan who played a little girl thanks yep. graham no problem mate well guys it um as we're talking been talking about um the incredible hulk episode king of the beach I'm very pleased to um, be joined by uh, an actress that was in that episode, but she was a very young actress at the time. In fact, this must be the youngest person I spoke interviewed for the Incredible Hulk podcast. Oh, how <laughs> um, funny. Yeah. Yay. And it's Angela Lee uh, Sloan. Uh, welcome to the Incredible Hulk podcast, Angela. How are you? I'm great, Frank. Thank you so much. Thanks for finding me. You're welcome. I'm really glad we connected. Um, now, originally, um, Angela, you you were not from America. You were born in Liverpool in the UK, weren't you? I was. I was born in Liverpool, um, and we lived in Southport. And we moved here. My family moved here when I was about three and a half, four years old. And then my mom and dad got divorced, and my dad moved back to England. So all through my life, I would go back and forth. So I'd be, ah. you know, I'd come stay my, my dad for a little bit and then go back home to my mom. And so I kind of got a, a little bit of a taste of both worlds. Oh yeah. And they're, they're very different, I should think. <laughs> extremely, extremely, yeah. totally different. I, I, I love, I love England though, but I miss it too. I, I miss it so much. It's not, it's not easy to jump across the Atlantic, you know, so it doesn't happen all the time, but every time I do, it's cherished and, all my dad's side of the family is there. So I have my little brother there. And so, uh, yeah, I love going back home. So when, when did you um, get into acting? Was it over in England or was it in America? It was here in America. My mom and dad were both singers. They, they um, were always performing, but they were singing, not acting wise. And <clears throat> then when we came to America, it was just a fluke. Actually, it, it wasn't anything that my mom sought out. Um, I was, true story i was at a garage sale when i was about five years old and we were my mom was amazed by garage sales because they have boot sales in england but they don't have garage sales where everyone puts all their stuff on the lawn and so we'd stop at every garage sale so my mom would give me one dollar and say okay you can pick and choose what you you know see yeah. what you can make out of that dollar and how much it can get so i was you know figuring out a quarter how many dimes i had how much i could accumulate <laughs> and <laughs> This woman came over. She's like, oh, my God, your daughter. She's, so, you know, she's lovely. She's like, here's my card. I'm an agent. You really should call me. Um, I think she'd do really well in uh, television and acting. And so my mom had told her sister. And my, my mom's sister and her mother had moved from England 10 years prior. They'd been here for 10 years. And they just said, oh, no, no, no. It's a scam. There's a bunch of scam artists. Don't pay any attention. And then a couple months later, my mom found the card and thought, well, you know, she was working three jobs, single mom, three kids. She's like, well, why, why not give it a chance? And uh, yeah. so she called and they, she, the lady became my agent and it just kind of magically kept rolling like that. Wow. So nobody sought it out, but it was obviously meant to be. Yeah. 
And so you and, and that would be the point where you stayed in you stayed in the states, and you didn't keep jumping yes. back and forth. Yeah, we were. I mean, we would. We always stayed here. My dad moved back home to England. Oh, I see. Yeah. So yeah. my mom and dad finally got divorced, and he stayed here till I was nine, and then he went back to England. Right. And what's really neat about the Incredible Hulk is on that specific set. My my mom was always the one who would take me to you know to all the auditions and all the jobs, but for some reason, my dad was on the set of the Incredible Hulk that day. And oh, he was. he ah. was so funny. Like he was, he was so amazed. He was like, he was just, he, first of all, he loves Venice beach. My dad's a scouser in Venice. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so I think it was, it was October, November, chilly for LA, but my dad's got his short sleeves. You know, he's got a short tank top on and his boxers and he's going, bloody hell, this is gorgeous. <laughs> fabulous. And he, you know, and he loved, he, he got to meet um, uh, Lou Ferrigno. And he's like, look at the size of that body. Look at him. Look at him. We were right near <laughs> Muscle Beach. So it's so the iconic, you know, yeah. very L.A., Venice Beach area. And uh, my dad was just just amazed. And Lou Ferrigno is a really nice man. And he was amazed with my dad, you know, sounding like one of the Beatles. So he was yeah. <laughs> he enjoyed chatting with him. Uh, that sounds great. So I bet he was, ha he was happy for you doing that. Oh, he was. He was yeah. made up. I think he was more made up with Lou Ferrigno and his and his physique. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that, that's great. So how how old were you when you when you when you were in the Hulk? I think I must have been like six or seven. Wow, quite young. One of the young. first, very first things I did. Maybe seven, eight. Maybe Gosh. seven, eight. Wow. So very little. I yeah. remember when I got that part. I got another part the same that worked the same week. I'd gotten. Um, uh, a role on the Barbara Mandrell show to play Barbara Mandrell's sister Louise when she was a little girl. And I remember my mom asking me, well, wow, we got to make a choice. What do you want to do? Do you want to do the Barbara, Man Barbara Mandrell show or do you want to do the Incredible Hulk? And I'm like, the Incredible Hulk? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the Monster Man. Yeah, absolutely. I used to love it. I watched the show every weekend. I would cry every week at the end of the episode and walk off on his own. Yeah, that's always very sad, wasn't it, that bit? <laughs> it was. It always yeah. made me cry, but I loved the show as a little kid, so it was pretty like, what? Yeah, to be in it. That's a completely yeah. different thing, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, um, so we get on to a bit more about the Hulk uh, in a while there, Angela. Yeah. I just wanted to go back to a couple of things you, you I, I looked up about you, you know, some of the other things you did. You were in um, an episode. You, you were in the Love Boat as well. That was another was. popular series of the time. I was, yeah. And what was that? What was that like to be on? Oh, that was first of all. I was again another show that I knew, iconic, you know. And I, I was telling my mom, "Oh my God, we're going to go on a cruise!" And no, it was no cruise. <laughs> that was on. They said in Culver City, yeah. and I'm like, ah. Oh. And there's a scene where we're swimming in the, you know, in the pool, and. Of course, movie magic. It's only about it's only about a foot, not even a foot deep of water. So you were literally on your stomach on the bottom of the floor, pretending like you were swimming in a big pool. Yeah. But no, it was it was amazing. And that episode was really special. It was called uh, it was the Country Western Jamboree special, and it was a two hour special or a two two parter or a two hour special, and it had all the huge country greats, um, country music stars. And the woman who I was working, because there's different, you know, there's different episodes within one episode. You've got this. Yeah, that's line, right. Yeah, line. different things, good storylines going on. Yeah. 
Yeah. And my storyline was I was an orphan with my two little brothers and we had seen this country singer come play at our orphanage and we fell in love with her so much that we escaped and ran away from the orphanage and followed her onto the love boat. And the lady who played the, the woman that we loved so much was none other than Florence Henderson, the mom from the Brady Bunch. Ah, yeah. So I, again, I was like, oh my God. Another like, series you, you loved here. <laughs> ah, the Brady Bunch was like incredible. So I, I got to, she would bring me pictures of the cast of all the, uh, all the Brady kids and have them all sign for me. And it was like, I can't believe I get to be Mrs. Brady's daughter. <laughs> So that was really cool. That was yeah. very special. I'll bet. And I, I, I was really fascinated to know that you you voiced um, Lucy Van Pelt in the Charlie Brown and Snoopy show. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's really great. Series. Yeah. I did, I did a couple of the, um, they would do like hour specials and I did about four or five of them and then the series came about and um, I got to do the Saturday morning cartoon series and it, working with Charles Schultz was just, he was the nicest man. And he used to say, I, I, I was the longest running Lucy because they changed the voices up, of course, every so years because yeah. they want to keep them to sound like real children. But um, I did the series and he would say, he goes, you're the longest running Lucy that we've ever had. And uh, that, so that was pretty, very, very special. And it's such an iconic, um, <clears throat> it's such an iconic cartoon when we do these comic Conventions, oh, yeah. people come and just tell you their life. They grew up watching it and they watched it with their mom and their grandmother. And you just, it's so, it's so Americana. And that was another funny thing because we, me and my mom were from England. We weren't really familiar with the, you know, the awe and shock of, of Charlie Brown. We didn't really know what it was at yeah. the beginning. We very much learned, you know, when we were, when I was doing the episodes, but we really didn't know uh, exactly how special it was. It really was a, Wonderful experience. Charles Schultz was really kind to all. Was that um, when? When did you do that? Was it in the eighties? You did that, or in the eighties? Yeah, I think I started in eighty two, maybe about eighty two, when I was like nine or ten. Yeah, <laughs> and then I was there for four years with them. That's great. That really cool. Yeah, that must be great. It must be an interesting experience because you know you um, to do from like being in front of the camera to behind it and just doing a voice to a cartoon. Yes. What, what, what can you remember about doing that? You know, being well, it was funny because I didn't know what to expect when I first when I first got on the set. And sometimes you just go into the booth, you'd have your lines, and you'd go in there with Bill Melendez, who was the producer on the show, and he'd kind of give you an idea what was going on in the scene. And then other times there would be a, in other scenes there would be a projection monitor up there, so you'd see like the cartoon. You'd see Lucy pulling, yanking the football from Charlie. Yeah, you'd see what was gonna, you know, what was happening, and and you'd it wasn't really necessarily you didn't really need to mouth it perfectly. Just by the way the cartoons were drawn, it's kind of it didn't wasn't you know it wasn't like we had to follow exactly. But every now and then they'd show you the visuals that went along with what you were doing, which made it you know all that more real. You're like, oh yeah. Were you all in there to get? Were you um, all, all the actors playing the voice were you all in the same were you in there at the same time recording or did they do it separately yeah we would go separately unless there was like something where they'd want you to be together like maybe a party scene or where you have to all be together but 99 percent of the time it was just you alone in the booth yeah yeah and then but we'd all go to school together so all the kid actors we'd all be sitting 
with a school teacher and we'd be in a room doing our homework and then, okay, Angela, come on in. And then I'd go back to school. And I see. So they always kept back. They always kept the schooling going in between and everything. Oh, yeah. 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 Very strict labor laws in LA. You have to, every child has to work three hours of school. And then depending on your age, you can only work a certain amount of hours on camera. Sure. So only an eight hour day, three of that schooling, one hour that is lunch. So it's very, you know, they, they don't, so, they, they don't take advantage of the children. Yeah. That's, that's, in, that's interesting. Yeah. That's interesting how they do that. Yeah. Yeah. And you always have to have a chaperone as well, don't you? Absolutely. Young actors usually have a chaperone on set and things like that. Yeah. 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 My mom was always there and, um, and just laying low, you know, she was, she was very good. There's, you know, there's in, in acting, you see stage moms, you see crazy stuff, but my mom, she would just, you know, she'd always say, if you want to do this, do it. I support you 100%. But if you don't like it, you don't want to do it. You don't have to. Yeah. So it was never something that I was forced to. I truly loved it. I still do. I, I love, love anything creative with uh, the process. Yeah, of acting. I, I, I'm, I'm the same. I'm, I'm absolutely the same like that. I'm not happy unless I'm being creative in some way. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Um, now, skipping forward quite a lot here, um, more recently, you were in, you were in, or have been in, the, uh, or may still be in, um, the American version of Shameless. Yes, yes. I did. I, I was lucky. It's not a, it wasn't a huge part, just one episode, um, episode season eight, episode two. And good um, little part. It's a nice, nice little monologue, not a huge one, but it's a fantastic show. So I was really excited to get to work on Shameless. And then I was telling my dad, I didn't realize that there was the English version. Yes. My dad got super excited. He's like, oh, Shameless, that's bloody great. <laughs> yeah. I've only seen the I've only seen the British version. I've never because uh, that's been that was out for years. You know the, yeah. the British one. I've never seen the American version of it at all. So I, I can't really compare good. or you know. But I hear it's it very was, popular. Yeah, yeah. The guy um, Macy William H Macy plays the lead character. Oh yes, I know, I know him. Yeah, yeah. And he's so good. He's just he's won a bunch of Emmys for the part, and you know the show's yeah. won tons of Emmys. And, He's great. Yeah, it's really well done. Really well done. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah, I got the got the honor of working on that last year, and then um, I also worked on a a webisode uh, a movie. It's called um, A Girl Is a Gun. A Girl, a Girl Is a Gun. Is a gun. Yeah, and it's with Daniel Richards. Roxy, that's my dog. By the way, <laughs> in the background. So yeah, and, tell me, tell uh, me about that. Yeah. That was, uh, it's like a vigilante kind of women who are been and misguided from terrible men and they go into this underground world and they become vigilantes to like, uh, Oh, that sounds good. Get, yeah. Get back. So that was a really interesting, that was a fun bit because I got to carry around, you know, guns and they, we had a gun expert on the set who was teaching us how to shoot a rifle yeah. and how to shoot, you know, all these, you know, crazy guns. So I, I'd never had that experience. That was pretty cool. Oh, that must be really cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in a fantasy it's, sense, not in the real sense, obviously. I mean, you know. Not in the real sense, exactly. No. Just play pretend. That's the kind that that's I... That's right. That's the better. That's, that's safe, and, safe and pretend is different, obviously. Yeah. Usually different. Enough of that. Yeah. Enough of that going on. A lot of that going on, which is not good at yeah. all. <laughs> we won't go down that route on this, but nope. I'm sure we could spend hours talking about that, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but now getting on to the, 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 you know, the, the subject in hand here, the incredible Hulk, uh, Angela, um, t 
tell me firstly how you got how you got cast in that. What's the, what's the, how do they do it with children as opposed to adults? It must, uh, yeah. It's pretty much the same as it is for an adult. You have an agent and um, they send you out, you know, they know who their clients are. They get it, you know, they, okay, so Incredible Hulk has a little girl, eight-year-old little girl, and they'll send out all their viable clients that are eight years old. And every other agency does the same thing. So you go into the audition and you get your sides and you walk in and there's a little camp, sometimes, a, you know, a director or sometimes a casting agent there. And they'll read the signs with you and you do the lines. And um, then you just, you know, you just hope and, and cross your fingers that, uh, that it, it worked and that you get, to, uh, you get to play the part. Did you have to do a little audition as well and everything? Yeah. Yep. We would, I remember sometimes my mom would pick me up after school and literally we would drive to three, four auditions a day like all over Hollywood. Sometimes you go to Hollywood, then you have to be, you know, a, a, an hour away in a different city for your next audition. <laughs> it was crazy. We That's spent pretty a lot mad. of time in yeah. the car singing, singing ABBA. Yeah. That's what my mom and I would do. <laughs> That's pretty crazy. Yeah. It was. Um, it was good times. So you got the part, Angela, eventually. I bet you were really, you know, obviously chuffed about being on it as, oh, you, yeah. as you watched it as a, as a kid yourself. So that's, yeah. that's interesting. You're coming from it from a different perspective, in a way. Yeah. Um, how long were you um, there? I, I know you were only in one scene, but how long do you, did, do you remember it taking to shoot? I think we were there for at least a couple of days, if not two or three days. <laughs> I remember, um, of course, being at my favorite beach. And, yeah, I think it was two days. I think we were shooting two days on the set. Quite a while, so, yeah, quite a yeah. while. Yep, and he, because of course he had the makeup, and then there was like the breaking down of the sandcastle and sure. different. You know, they take different shots. You've got a camera here, and then they'll okay break to another shot, and then yeah. break to him ripping his clothes off. You know, underneath the pier. And, the pier was that all yeah. near? But was that all close by to where you were, or was that a completely yep. separate? That was in the same area. Yeah. yeah, all in the same area. Yeah, Venice Beach is a really pop, very very trendy beach in in LA, and. It's got the Santa Monica Pier that's within walking distance, and that's what was under the pier where he rips it off. That was it, the, under the pier where the, the, the whole cow happened. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's funny. I was just watching Fletch. I, I hadn't seen it in ages, but they had a scene underneath the pier. It must have been about the same time that we did The Incredible Hulk because the, everything's the same, the chain link fence. And the same <laughs> so I'm like, oh, this is, must have been the same time we did Incredible Hulk because it – What's it look like there now? Have you been? Have you ever been back that into that oh, location? Oh yeah, it's very. It's close to us. It's built up now, like everything, ah. you know. <laughs> so now everything's really fancy, and yeah. you know. So it's it's elevated, but Venice Beach is still kind of like a hippie beach. Muscle Beach is still there, but Muscle Beach, where everybody works out, has like it's built up. They've made it look yeah. huger and grander, and you know, bigger yeah. like signage everywhere and you know yeah yeah but it's the same but more built up so can you can you remember um uh, the director barry crane and how he how he was with you directing how, how he directed with you yeah i i know he was very nice but i can't remember you know like i, I of course lou ferrigno stick stuck out because for the obvious reasons he's green with lots of muscles 
<laughs> but uh, no, I can't remember. All, all I remember was that he was very nice and like he made it really easy. And, and it's funny, I've, I've recently talked to, um, I see Lou Ferrigno at the comic conventions. And I've gone, I, we've had a couple conversations where he, he's always saying to me, he's like, did I scare you? I hope I didn't scare you, you know, when you were a kid. And I said, not at all. You didn't scare me at all. And I was telling him about how, how, how excited my dad was to meet him. And, you know, being a total scouse from Liverpool and he just cracks up, but he always goes back to it. He goes, I didn't scare you though, did I? I didn't scare you. So it was a very kind cast, you know, the director and the yeah. actors, they were all like, you know, not trying to scare the little children. So you were an interesting uh, young child actor in it because usually the, um, from, from some of the other episodes when the Hulk encounters young kids, it generally, they generally warm to him quite nicely, you know, and get, it, um, want to play with him and everything or whatever, you know. Uh -huh. But you, were, you, were, you, gave him, you gave him a bit of stick. I did. I <laughs> you, did. Told, you gave him a telling off and all that. You, you weren't happy <laughs> with him, were you? I did. I'm like, what's with your weird green suntan lotion? Yeah. You know. <laughs> you, you weren't too happy about him kicking your sandcastle over and stuff, you know. Not at all. Not <laughs> at all. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't having it. I wasn't having it. I spent all day on that. Big bully, big green bully. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he played that well on TV, but he was he was as sought, you know, sweet as can be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you did you get to meet Bill as well? I did, Bill Bixby. Yes, I did. He was and what a lovely man. What a really kind man. Yeah. And that was an interesting episode, as you know, because Lou Ferrigno was the first time him playing a regular person. That's right. In that episode, he yeah. played him. He played just a regular character, not the Hulk, in the restaurant. And I think Bill, B uh, no, Bill Bixby didn't direct it, obviously. But um, it was an interesting. It was a big episode for Lou Ferrigno. It was. You have to do a huge amount of work on that because he's playing two different characters. You have to come in and out, yeah. makeup. It must have taken forever to do. Yeah. You know, um, that was a yeah. lot of work for him to do, doing the speaking role and uh, you know, and, and then meeting at one point as well and all that stuff. Yeah. Exactly, and he'd been doing the iconic role for so long, and I'm sure he had desires to to be more than just. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he so wanted, he wanted to him for this episode to be yeah. able to get a chance to like deliver some acting chops. Do you know what? I think he did a pretty good job of it too. I think he did too. Yeah. I think he did too. And then uh, I love seeing him go on like comedically and doing King of the Hill. Or is it not King of the Hill? Um, what's uh, the Kevin James, King of Queens. Oh, right. Yeah. You've, uh, Lou Ferrigno went on now doing the, you know, I don't know if you've seen that one, but he's one of the poker players. He's in the episodes all the time. Yeah. But I think this was probably his first acting gig other than the Hulk. Like, big thing, so. I think, yeah, as a, as a, as a, as a, as a human character, yeah, if you like. Yeah, speaking yeah, role. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah and I think he did great. Um, oh, thank you, Frank. Yeah, it was, a, it was a great one. I thought it was an interesting one. I say, having him play two roles was always, that was fascinating. Because mm -hmm. I'm sure, as you said, he was eager to do that, to, to flex his acting muscles as well as his yeah. normal muscles. <laughs> <laughs> I like and, that, um, very nicely said. And I think um, also, I think a lot of it was written, especially for him, because a lot of it apparently echoed his own life. Some of the struggles he had as when he was get, growing up with his, you know, his hearing problem and, and uh, getting into, um, you know, the weightlifting side of things and yeah. all that, you yeah. know, was played into the script, I think, for him. Mm -hmm. um, 
Um, now, I, 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 I'm very interested in here because I've not really spoken to many act, uh, people connected with the Hulk who are musical as well. <laughs> and you are. Yeah. And uh, I popped on YouTube today and found a, 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 a song, you playing a song on there. Nice. And, uh, Which I song, thought, well, can I ask? I'm trying to remember the name of it. <laughs> Don't feel bad. Don't worry. <laughs> you, it, was, a, it was you playing guitar in the garden and you had blonde hair. Yes. Yes, maybe it was eggshells or... That's it, eggshells. That's the one. Eggshell. Okay, nice. It was really nice. So I listened to that prior to the interview. Ah, thank you, Frank. So and I have a website, Angela Lee Sloan, uh, com. if anyone wants to check out things that are happening. Sure. I had... I had a couple of my songs from Eggshell from the album Eggshells that got some television play. Um, the show, uh, what is it? Intelligent intellect, what? intelligence. Intelligence used one of my songs in their episode, and then um, I just had another one of my songs, Deja Vu, picked up for another TV show. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll. Uh, I'll update you in one second, but so I've been I've been playing sing songwriting all my life. Uh, my mom's a singer, dad's a singer, and um, so that's really my joy. I love. Uh, it was on Outcast season one, a show right. called Outcast on on Showtime or HBO. Anyway, so yeah, so I love I love singing, I love writing, and um, that's been something that keeps what we were talking about earlier, your creative juices just going and, uh, oh, yeah. you know, very important. That out. Yeah. Well, it's been lovely speaking with you, Angela. I do appreciate you coming on. Frank, you too. It's such a pleasure. Such a treat. It's been great. I, I've got my daughter here. Can I introduce you to my daughter? Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. This is Emma. Hi. Wait, can you see? Hello, Emma. How are you? I'm Frank. How are you? That's Frank right there. How are you doing? And my daughter, Emma, she's eight. Yeah. And do you want to say anything? Um, I'm an actor too. You want to say it again? I'm you going to sing? Too. Are you going to sing for me? Well, Emma does acting. You do acting as well. That's you. right. Yes, she did. What did you do last week? I did a commercial for Apple. She did a commercial for Apple. Oh, brilliant! The, uh, the, the new iPad coming out. Oh, that's great. So we're keeping it in the family. Do you, do you like it? Do you enjoy it? Yeah. Yeah. You're following in your mom's footsteps. That's brilliant. <laughs> so yeah. Emma was here. She's like, I want to watch your interview. And I said, yes. I said, would you want to come on and say hi? And she said, yes. <laughs> so she's been my sweet little helper. I love yeah. you. You've been a little helper. That's brilliant. That's nice to meet nice. you, Emma. Yeah. A lot of love. Okay. <laughs> nice to meet you. <laughs> nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Frank. Thank you so much, Angela, for that. Thank you for having me. Thank you for calling. And oh, you're very welcome. Pleasure chatting with you. It's been great. Now we've been, of course, talking about uh, um, the season four story called King of the Beach, uh, um, which was um, cited as Luther Rigno's favorite episode. And we get on to that. And we have none other than the writer of that story with me now. Uh, it's Karen Harris. How are you doing, Karen? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm still recovering from rewatching. King of the Beach over the weekend and and uh, and remembering it, it's just turned up so many great memories for me. Oh, well, we we we'll, get, we'll be delving into all that and more as we go along there, Karen. Okay. I, I have to tell you, I was so touched by this episode. I watched like Lou literally brought tears to my eyes, and I'll tell you 
a little bit, if you want, about the evolution of this episode and how. Yes, it please. Yeah, yeah. Um, Lou had been on the show as long as anybody except Bill Bixby, because we had a different Hulk at the very, very beginning in the pilot that just wasn't powerful enough. So they went and found a bodybuilder. Um, and Lou is um, very much like the character he played in King of the Beach. He is, as you know, was born deaf, came from back east, became a, 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 a um, bodybuilding giant, and came out to L.A. So uh, one of the things that happened was, I can't remember, must have been, it was either Kenny or it might have been, might have been Bob Steinhardt, who was our supervising producer at the time. It might have been one of the writer producers. It might have been Nick, or I don't think it was Nick. Um, but somebody said to me that he wanted to, uh, you know, we sort of did the eye roll when you give, when you're, one of your actors wants to, you know, direct an episode. It's like, oh, here we go. You know, they want a little payback for what they've been doing. And, and rightfully so. I mean, but, but it's just that then we have to deal with it as producers. Lou wanted to be on the show in a role other than the Hulk. Why? Well, for four years, he got put in that makeup and that those prosthetics and the wig and the torn shirt. And he would sit on his chair that said, I can't remember. I think it said the Hulk on it. Um, and nobody would talk to him. There was this sort of people would would keep their distance, partly because how do you have a serious conversation with a guy that's dressed like that? Mm. Partly because he played the character so well that people thought he won't understand. And finally, because Lou himself had a hearing problem. So I think some people were nervous about, about approaching that. Uh, you know, the, the Kenny wasn't. Kenny had a great relationship with him. Bill had a great relationship with him. But a lot of the people that come on the set, the other actors, they sort of, he, became, he felt invisible. I'm going to cry when I say this. There's a sadness to that, definitely. Yeah. I thought, I thought you poor thing. So um, I somehow got the assignment. I don't remember if I pitched it or if Kenny pitched it to me. I'm not quite sure. Kenny's already working on a couple of other series then, but he always kept his finger in the Hulk. I mean, he was, but we were pretty well oiled machine at that time, but he was working on a couple of other shows, the names of which escape me at the moment. Um, um, anyway, so I was so touched by it and I went and wa I thought, well, what do we do to give Lou that dignity? And, um, and I, I watched, um, pumping iron cause I had never seen it. Shame on me. And I watched and, and watched him and listened to him and heard his story. And I thought, well, the best thing we can do for him, cause we want to give him what he wants, but we also want to protect him. We don't want him to, you know, we don't know if he can act. We don't know other than, than as the Hulk. So we want to be, sorry, I just banged into my desk by accident. We, uh, I wanted him to have that ability to feel comfortable. So um, I thought, let's have him be, and I, I honestly, I, I'll say me because I wrote the script and I think, so it makes me think that maybe, but I think we probably all sat as a group and came up with what it would be like. You know, let's have Lou play himself. Let him play a guy who's had this sheltered life, who comes out and wants to be something more and wants to prove himself. And then I, uh, uh, you know, I, and, and maybe, uh, you know, what he has to do is join this, you know, has become part of this bodybuilding competition. And so I went from there 
and came up with, because this was one I wrote on my own. This was one of, I, I don't know if it was my only solo credit. I think it might have been my second on this on the show. So I was very, um, I was, I was, I, I wrote it and I loved writing it. It was so much fun and I could picture it and I could hear him. I could hear in my head this character because he was Lou and we felt that was our safest bet. And some of, I, I, there were things I had always remembered. One was the scene where, where, where he's frustrated emotionally and Bixby as his trainer says to him, look, it's like a muscle. Love is like a muscle. Emotions are muscles. You have to use them, you know, and if you don't use them, they become, they become, you know, incapable of, of, of feeling or, or taking care of your emotional needs. So that was, I remember one of those things that was like, I felt inspired, you know, but I remember Lou walked into my office one day and he rarely, I think that's happened three times for the whole show because it wasn't, he didn't need to. Um, he walked into my office and he said, how did you know? And I said, what? And he said, that's exactly how I felt. That's exactly how I feel. It's like you, you, it's scary. I mean, he was so sweet to tell me that, that I captured, you know, his, his feelings. And in fact, I think I had a chat with, I think he and I sat down and, and, and I took notes when I, I asked him about his background before I started writing, talk to me, you know? So I was able to take what he did, what he gave me and turn it into a drama. And I, for the most part, there's a couple of lines he slipped down where he would transpose feelings and uh, you know something but uh, but but mostly I thought he was just so sweet in it I thought he was I was so proud of him watching it again I thought you first of all he looked fabulous he looked so handsome and his body oh my god in the Hulk suit you could not couldn't see how those hips were so small it was like he was squatted <laughs> and went down into like this perfect triangle but um but he was, and, and, and he was a little, I think, maybe a little uncomfortable playing. He was, I think he and, and, and his Carl were just newlyweds at the time. So he might have been a little uncomfortable playing romance with, with, um, with Leslie Ackerman, who was delightful, you know. And just, I think, the perfect girl to cast with him. That she was, you know, she was someone you could believe falling in love with him. And he, uh, but I, I just thought he, he was so sweet in it. And he... Yeah, he. Uh, and I thought I watched him making the sandwiches at the beginning. He's sitting in a he's in a diner, in the kitchen as a you know a short order cook making sandwiches, and I'm thinking, how did he memorize his lines and do his dialogue and make the sandwiches at the same time? Most people <laughs> can't do that. And I know that Bill was so supportive, so supportive when they did that show, that he was he was uh, very he you know he really was behind him and bill was like that with the other cast when jack mcgee directed i mean jack colvin directed an episode i believe at one point and 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 bill was very supportive of it he was always great with the people you know the, the family the, the the family on the show so bill i know was you know very very helpful with with lou and in that stuff but i i just i i went watching it i mean i, I loved a lot of the work we did i could see our progression from king of the beach i mean from um Beast Within as we moved along. But, uh, and I, I have to admit that there were some insert shots in that first season that were just horrible. <laughs> insert shots are when somebody, you know, like David's looking down, he sees a newspaper on the floor and, or it might've been in the, in King of the Beach, but he sees a newspaper on the ground 
and picks it up and reads it to himself and has a reaction. It's usually about Jack McGee or the Hulk being around or something. And what we'd have to do is we want the audience to see what the headline says. So later on, they would do what they call an insert shot, which is on a a soundstage. They would take a shot of it and cut away to a, a, a single shot of the headline and then go back to the original film. And in this particular case, it looks like it's so not... It's so not the same piece of paper David has in his hand. And when we cut back to him, he was already had it in midair and it never moved on. Anyway, (laughs) so the insert shots were terrible and shame on our associate producers because that was, oof, Um, (laughs) that's what they did. That's what their job was. But, uh, but, But with, oh, I have, I know I wanted to tell you something about King of the Beach, which is that in the very beginning and also later on, there's a very, very handsome black bodybuilder in a red, in wearing red, he's in the very opening when the camera pans in to uh, uh, to the gym in the gymnasium, and then he also comes in with uh, has a line later on during the competition. You're up next, I think it was. That was Manny Perry. Manny that Perry. That was Manny Perry, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And for the for your listener, Manny Perry was the Hulk's stunt double, so he wasn't lose. Again, like like Frank Rosati was with Bill, they they're they're the stunt doubles. So when when the Hulk had to go through, break down a door, or do something that was physically dangerous, jump off of a high building, something, uh, you know, any one of those stunts, throw a car, something, that Manny Perry was the body double that would be painted green and do the same do whatever the script required and then cut back to to Lou as the Hulk doing whatever he needed to do and I always got a kick out of the fact that Manny was I think he was probably I think his real name was Perez and he used Manny Perry uh and I I think he must have been either Puerto Rican or some uh, but he was he was a, a man of color he was a person of color and I always thought it was cool that when you paint them green, they're all the same. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah. It's like, who knows? Nobody knows. It's the same, the same thing. So but there, I were, always- there were a few, uh, I have to admit, but I've been, you know, because, you know, I've obviously been going through these episodes again, you know, and stuff. Um, I saw some episodes where you knew it was Manny Perry, uh, um, but the, the the director or the cameraman neglected to shoot from the neck down uh, and would see part of Manny Perry's face or chin um, and I was thinking I was always wondering how those continuity things slip through you know um, well it's funny I think that people think if you're looking at green now see your audience will definitely your listeners will definitely start looking for that um, I never paid much attention to that because uh, uh, there was the image of the green guy all muscled up doing what he's got doing the action you know it's like um, uh, so it never, I, and so I'll, I'll take responsibility for my part in that. Um, but, but I'm sure that, um, it was because they had nothing to match it to, or they didn't have that lower shot or that the directors knew that they were supposed to sort of shoot from an angle where you couldn't tell, but you know, either from up above shooting down where you only see them sort of from behind. Um, so uh, that's interesting. I'm going to have to look for that. Yeah, it's only it's only now I think because obviously uh, the older you get, you 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 view things differently as you as you would as a child when watching the Hulk, you know. Because I grew up as a kid watching it, 
Uh, and therefore, I was only watching it for the action right. and, uh, and the Hulk, and thinking, when's he going to? When's the eyes going to be showing? You know, the green eyes coming up, and then, yeah. oh, here he comes. And that was, you know. But now, uh, the older you get, and the more, more interested you get in television, how it all works. I also think certain like, things become more glaringly obvious than others. You know. Mm. I also think, Frank, that when you've watched it as, those shows as many times as you have, that's the stuff you look for. Yeah, you know it, was, it wasn't I was looking for it, uh, per se, either. It just sort of jumped up at me, you know. So yeah. You're not on the, on the surprises that start in the beginning, you know. Yeah, of course. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you know where it's going, then it's then you sort of become like, oh, I wonder, you know, is that what does that sign on the door say? You know? <laughs> <laughs> you, start yeah, you, just, you just see things differently. I mean, it's, it's obvious, with you know, when you, with growth, that's what you do, you know, you... Yes, you, you look, you view things differently in a different way, and you get more involved in like the technical side of it, and you're interested in the people that work behind the scenes and all that. Well, you know, I've yeah. loved my I've loved My Fair Lady my whole life, um, and it, but it was only in the last ten years that I realized that he was an abusive sob. You know, get me my slippers, and he throws things at her, and yeah. orders around, and I thought, oh. How did that happen? I loved this this show so much. See, we, we miss all these we miss all these things, all these sort of underlining things that are going on, you know. Yeah. In it, uh, um, and 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 to be honest, you know, now I have an even more deeper appreciation for the Hulk, but in a different way because now I can see the drama that was in it, right. the emotional side that was in it, which of course I didn't as a kid. Right. You know, I, it was always just an action adventure to me, and escape. Well, when, but when, in, we, but, when we did King of the Beach, one of the things I remember was like. You know, wait till we get the the uh, wait till we get uh, Lou as Carl, the character Carl. Wait till we get Lou up there doing his thing that he does when he's the Hulk. You know, and every people he gets to do his whole dance. You know that 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 he does when he's competing and people are cheering and all that. And then the Hulk, Lou and Hulk confront the uh, confronting each other when he hands her the girl at the end. You know. Uh, and Leslie's been been knocked out, and so the Hulk brings her out and gives her to Lou. And we, of course, Lou was standing on a on an, a, several apple boxes, and uh, yeah, the they had to show a difference in the height. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we had to show the difference in the height. But that was it. Was like the one thing I didn't remember when I watched it again is why I couldn't remember why we didn't do it out at the beach. I couldn't remember why we shot it inside because those competitions, it was king of the beach. I thought that doesn't make sense, but it must've been a production issue. It was either we, we had to have a cover for rain or, uh, or if we needed more control over the situation. If we were in the public at the beach, it would have been too awkward to try to control everything, you know? That so was I, the, 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 the most, a lot of that was shot. Was it Santa Monica beach? Wasn't it? Well, Ben, uh, actually Van muscle beach. It's called. On Muscle it's, Beach, yeah, Venice, Venice, was it it's Venice? Quite, it's, yes, yeah. it's in, it's at the end of in between Venice and Santa Monica. Just a little space in there that that is Muscle Beach, but yeah, Venice Beach. Yeah, and, yeah, which, which is great, and um, uh, maybe we couldn't get a permit. That might have been it too. We it might not. Been. Have been, yeah. So we had to do it inside, and I'm sure at that point we'd all be you're all like finishing editing the last episode and prepping the next one while this one's shooting. And you go, somebody says, we can't get a permit to use the beach. And possibly me, possibly somebody else said, shoot it in, a, find a stage somewhere. And I don't remember if we built it at, in our, at the studio or if we used like a, a, a theater of some kind. 
But um, anyway, so that was that was interesting. But it was fun to see Luke that do that part. But it was also great to see him. Those were pretty pretty mustache twirling bad guys. But really, for us, the show was about Lou. Was about about giving Lou, like I said, the the dignity to be looked at and not just in the green makeup. You know, I, I think I think all in all, though, in that episode, you know, when he played Carmelina, I think he did a, a, a bloody good job of it. Did yeah. he did? That's what made me so. I, every time he, I, I mean, I, he'd say a line, and I go, "Oh, he said it exactly the way it's supposed to be." <laughs> I was so pleased, and he was so he was so pleased. And he's he's said it's his favorite, eh? I'm not surprised. He did. Yeah, he has done. He cited that quite, quite often in interviews. That he said that was the one he liked the most. Yeah. Yeah. So well done, Karen. Thank you uh, so much. Truly, thank you so much for all your input here, and for sharing your memories um, of that episode. Well, I'm 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 happy to do it. It's a it's a wonderful part of my career and my life, and uh, has had such a profound effect. That show and the success of that show had such a profound effect on me and 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 Jill, I know as well, and and my whole life, my career that followed. And it's just been it's been so lovely to have to have you ask your questions and be able to remember those things and i hope your uh, your listeners enjoy it as well and um, could you please pass um uh, you know on behalf of myself and fellow fans please pass on um our love to jill for me i will i'm having dinner with her sunday night and say that you know you, you, both your your work has uh, endured and i think a lot of people have a whenever they see your names popping up on screen have a little warm glow inside Oh, <laughs> so do I. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Frank. It's been a delight. Uh, thank you so much, Karen. And, uh, of course, thank you guys for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this. Uh, we'll be back, of course, with another incredible podcast very soon indeed. So until then, take care. <laughs>